Hey, вы настроены на радио Topcast, с вами здесь Norm and Shaggy. Hey, this is Curb, and even hot Russian chicks love to listen to Norm and Shaggy on Topcast. Hey, this is Oksana, you're listening to Topcast with Norm and Shaggy. You're listening to Topcast, this old pinball's online radio. For more information, visit them anytime, www.marvin3m.com slash topcast. All right, welcome to another edition of Topcast. I've got with me my main man. No. <laughs> Norm is here with us today on Topcast, so it's myself, Shaggy, and the infamous Norm, and we're coming from the Department of the Ill-Prepared. And the and the reason why I say we're ill-prepared is because Norm's here. Because uh, I got a question. I want to know how many people are listening. So would you all raise your hands? <laughs> we so, wait, wait, wait. You guy in the back, keep it up. You put your hand down. Stand up. You're kind of short. Not a you're not a small person, are you? Forty-seven and a half people. All right, go on. Well, anyways, we're here, Norm, and the reason why I say we're ill-prepared is because I kind of put out the message late this week that we were actually going to do a Topcast show, a technical show. This is obviously going to be our tech show. We're not interviewing anybody today. We haven't done a tech show in uh, in a few weeks, so I thought it was about time that we uh, we crank one out. And uh, I put the message out to my minions that uh, that help us. We actually have a support staff. Do we want to talk about the support staff? Uh, do we have one really? I don't see him. Oh, is it Eric one? No, no. We got uh, we got Al who oh, helps that's us. That's right. We got Corn. Al, Al, Al and Corn. Al Corn and Corn is, and is Paul. Corn is wife sweet. His children niblets. <laughs> so they're they're helping us, and they and um, uh, Al came through with uh, with his segment, but uh, it was it was tough to get everything organized. So we Corn's, don't have quite Corn's dad pop. Yeah. <laughs> his mo- and his and his mother kettle. <laughs> no, his dad is popcorn. Gotcha. His mother is kettle corn. But anyways, so you know, speaking of which, right now we've got uh, one of or our traditional segments that we run on every one of our tech shows. So here we go. It's time for Play of the Week. Okay, it's time to call Trent up and uh, get him on the horn and see what this week's Play of the Week is, what game he has in store for us this week to make us a better pinball player. Let's give him a call right now. Play? Trent, my man. So what's the deal, Trent? You know, you, you dropped... From second place, best pinball player in the world to third place. That's going the wrong direction, my man. Well, there's a lot of competition out there. You know, the Europeans are starting to pick things up, and they're getting excited about the new uh, Whopper program, and uh, the competition's stiff. So who's this new guy that's now in second that that took you over? Uh, Matt is from Sweden. Uh, Plays a lot of pinball. We were over there for the European Championships, and uh, he's doing a good job. So he came from nowhere, and now he's in second place? Yeah, basically he's the Chris Newsom of Sweden. He goes to everything. So he's been coming up in the pack then? Yeah, yeah. Is he better than you? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> okay, so what are you going to do to get back into second and ultimately first? What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to keep practicing. You know, I haven't been practicing a lot lately, so I think if I uh, try to get back in the swing of things, I'll do a little bit better. 
So you went over to the European Championship? Yeah, uh, I and Lyman and Chris Newsom, Todd McCullough, and Neil Schatz all went. And how was it? Was it fun? Oh, it was a blast. It was unbelievable fun. Uh, those guys are fantastic hosts, and they do a, a top-notch tournament. Uh, it's a lot of fun to play in. It's a lot of fun to hang out in Sweden. It's pretty cool. Well, what did you do? Did you meet any nice Swedish gals? Oh, there were gobs and gobs of nice Swedish gals over there. Um, of course, being football players, we're all too shy to go talk to them, so we didn't get to talk to too many. <laughs> yeah, there isn't. It's not like you're, uh, you know, the soccer star of Sweden. Right, exactly. Right, right. So what else did you do there? Did you drink any good Swedish beer? Uh, I don't know if there's any good Swedish beer over there, but uh, there was definitely Swedish beer. Okay, so what else? What is our play of the week today? Well, I can tell you how to play pinball magic. Let's hear it. Well, the interesting thing about pinball magic is that... Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. We should say that pinball magic came out, what, in 1996 by Capcom? Yeah, it was one of their first games, and I remember at the uh, trade show they were previewing it. You know, they were all excited about their new system. Uh, I think the most exciting thing about that game is they would they kept shorting the 50 volts to the switch line, and, and nothing would happen. And that was their... Uh, that was their big breakthrough. <laughs> Not a very good thing to happen at a trade show. Yeah. 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 What show was that? You know, supposedly they run it out to compete with uh, Theater of Magic. But anyways, how do you play it? Well, it's basically, you know, you've heard the old adage, uh, you know, shoot the lit shot. Well, that's basically what pinball magic is. There's going to be one shot pretty much that's lit. you got to shoot that shot. And if you don't, does the world implode? Uh... I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else you can do. I think you can light multi-ball, but it's not really worth doing when you can shoot the lit shot. Is that the extent of the whole thing you're going to tell me? Yeah, well, no, no. There are some slight strategies to it. Uh, occasionally, the lock will be lit, or one of your modes is having the lock lit, and you can get the multi-ball. After you get one lock lit, uh, you can actually do a short plunge into the top hat, and when you do that, it'll start mini mayhem, which is a uh, two-ball multi-ball as opposed to a three-ball multi-ball, which I would advise doing. Uh, you know, keeps your balls, you know, two balls on the table at once and not one. And uh, one and seven. And the, uh, you can continue to complete your modes or your shots while you're in multi-ball. So you're a little bit safer in that regard. Especially when you go through, basically you go through, you do, I think, six or nine shots the first time. Then you go through to six or nine shots, and then six or nine more shots to finish up stage three. And the uh, you can continue to do those shots while you're in multi-ball, and as you go through the different stages, the shots get to be a little bit tougher. You're going to Maine right now? What are you going to Maine for? I'm in Maine. We're training. We're doing some biking. We're doing some running. We just got done from a, uh, a three-mile run around Jordan Pond. Oh, this has nothing to do with pinball. Uh, no, although at the end of July... Uh, JR is hosting the New England Championships uh, at his place in Maine, and I would encourage everyone to come up to it. He does lots and lots of tournaments, and he's very good at it. And uh, we're expecting to have a big turnout, and we should have a blast. So I would encourage everyone at the end of July to uh, to head up to Maine and uh, and have some fun. Whopper points? Uh, I think there are whopper points, but I can't confirm that. So is there anything else to Pinball Magic? Sorry to kind of distract you there. Oh, no problem. Uh, well, anyway, after you get through all the modes, uh, the very last thing is this lady comes up, who I'm assuming is the uh, magician. Uh, there was a theme with female magicians around that time. Uh, and I have no, actually no idea what you're supposed to do, but because uh, there's no instructions, and she just sits on the screen. Sometimes she flashes, sometimes she's older, sometimes she gets younger. 
Uh, one of the Swedish guys did tell me, or maybe it was one of the Dutch guys, told me that uh, you need to keep shooting the ramp over and over again. But the main strategy when you get to that point is the very last mode to finish is very tough. You have to shoot that chameleon-colored ball on the right-hand side, that, that shot. And you have to shoot it six times, and it's kind of a dangerous shot. So what you want to do is you want to start multi-ball. You want to finish up that... Uh, Finish up that chameleon by shooting it six times while you're in multi-ball, and then, uh, and then you can have. Hopefully, if you're still going, you can have multi-ball in the final mode. Just shoot that ramp a bunch, and and hopefully you'll defeat her. And it's actually, it sounds like a stupid game, but you know, the artwork is pretty good on the animation, and the sound is actually pretty good on it. So you know, it's worth playing every now and then. Do you own one? Uh, I don't think I have one right now. I'm actually looking for one. Okay, well that's uh, Trent's play of the week. You got anything else to throw at us, Trent? Um, not really. You've covered quite a bit. Uh, I guess the biggest thing is the uh, the New England tournament coming up. You know, there's a website, which I can't remember what it is, but if you search under uh, Valley Man or JR or something under RGP or search under New England Championships under Google, you can probably find it. Cool. So uh, have fun up in Maine, and, uh, you know, I'm going to expect next time I talk to you that you're back in second place and working on getting into first. I am. I'm working on it, definitely. All right. Take care, Trent. See you, guys. That was our Play of the Week. So what do you think of Trent our man, man? He he moved from the second or third yeah, he was in second and now he's in uh now he's in third place in the world pinball standings. In my mind I'm number one. <sighs> number one in your own mind. There's something to be said for that. I I know. Well, if he quite... drinks you can be number one in anything. <laughs> and he's I want to go to his arcade and his uh um his hole in the ground, his cave. When are we gonna do that? His hole in the ground? Isn't it near Columbus? He's got an Indian cave that's in the ground. We should plug him. I think well, you said I always You plug do. him every time we have him on, you plug him. Well, he does this stuff for him, so I think he's uh, he, he deserves something for this. You don't pay him anything. Huh. So I think uh, giving him that is uh, certainly a good deed. And we got to go down there and make some stupid skit for a movie. In the you cave. mean for the next top video? Yeah. And now it's time for everyone's favorite. Game of the Week. All right, Game of the Week. This week, we're going to talk about uh, a game that's really Norm, one of Norm's favorites, and this was his idea, not mine. Um, and that is the Bally Classic four-player electromechanical game called Fireball. Art by, uh, by our buddy Dave Christensen. You can see the, the, the guy on the webcam. We're using the webcam today, by the way, if you hadn't noticed. And you can see the Fireball backlash. And then here was one of the main things in the game is this playfield spinner, which was this rubber disc in the center of the game that when the ball hits it, it kind of spews it all over. The disc is always running during the game, kind of like a whirlwind type thing. And, uh, you know, kind of an interesting feature. The other thing, too, was this game was multi-ball. So there was a lock, Odin lock on the left side of the playfield and a Wotan Wotan lock on the right side of the playfield. The other thing that's kind of interesting about the game, and here we're showing it on the screen, is the skill shot, which, you know, is kind of cool. It's kind of like this angled upper part of the play field that you got to kind of get the ball up. I mean, you can it's see like on the webcam. Arch. Yeah, it's Yeah, right. And you can see on the webcam that I'm going to be not very successful at making this skill shot. Oh, I just missed it. I just missed it. But if you do that, it lights the all three pop bumpers for 100 points instead of just having the bottom one lit for 100. Now, the other cool thing about the game or a lot of people like, is the zipper flippers. And the zipper flippers, what they are, this game uses two-inch flippers. The, the flippers actually move together when you hit the center mushroom 
um, bumper. Like here we're showing on the screen, the zipper flippers contract it together. So you can see it doesn't let the ball drain between the two flippers. And if you hit either of the two outside mushroom targets, the, the, um, the flippers move to the back to the out position. Or if you drain the ball, which is what I just did on, on in this game. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting game. Um, you know, is it worth all the hype? What do you think, Norm? Well, it's certainly different than all the other games that were being pumped out. You know, a lot of symmetrical games. It's got a lot of variety to it. You know, it's frustrating. I remember playing it in high school. And Here's the Odin, Odin lock on the webcam. Playing it in high school, there's a there's a ball that's stationary. I mean, a trap a ball in there. You got yeah. a trap ball in there. There's a lot of features going on, and it's. Uh, I think it's a classic. You you know you you're kind of tempted by knowing the history of pinball afterwards and saying, well, it doesn't compare to. Monster Bash or this or this, but you got to compare it and everything that in what terms of the seventies, seventies and what was before it, and it's certainly you know artistic wise, it's great, play wise, it's great, it's frustrating, it's very challenging. There's times you get a ball with you know ten points just run down the center, and you're you're mad. You, know, you right. put your money in, and it's uh, I think it was a quarter at a time. So, time. so you and you remember playing so on location? Oh yeah, I did. It was a love-hate relationship. I said I always wanted to order, uh, own one of these when I was uh, seventeen, eighteen. I finally owned one about uh, twenty years later. And and you still play it? Uh yeah. It's it's a good game. I uh, I just. You know, it's one of those games where you can get a really low score and a really high score. It's it's hard to play it consistently well. Yeah, the skill you can sometimes get in a groove and hit that skill shot once you master your game. And then they always seem, the play fields always seem to be in great shapes on. Every time I've seen one, I've never seen one I've seen out. one with wear between the flippers. But I've never seen any one that was, was like completely bad. wore Yeah, out. I don't know why that was the case, whether uh, that ball just didn't get... Uh, well, you know, Tim Arnold says that the game is too easy. He says if you keep hitting on the right side the Wotan lock, once you got a ball locked in there, what happens is is that you can make that shot and it diverts the ball away from that that retaining hole and it goes straight down this uh, like this little subway and then down and back to the flippers right, and you keep making that right. shot. It's got a gate there. Yeah. He says you can rape the game by just making that shot yeah. over and over and over. Provide that gate is open. Yeah, yeah, or you have the ball locked. You got to have the ball locked. Yeah, to have no, that it gate is, open. there's a lot of strategy to the game. It's no. just not banging targets and. Uh, you know, I, I think it was uh, ahead of its time. Yeah. And then they made how many different versions of that later? Two other ones? Oh, yeah, yeah, the they classic? did. Classic? Yeah, they made the Fireball Classic, and they made another one, um, um, Fire, oh. or Fireball 2, I believe it was called. Fireball's was, Mother. Yeah, Fireball's Mother. So they were both solid-state versions. They really didn't didn't rate. One was completely different, and one was similar. And, and then uh, they had the home model, didn't they? Yeah, and they had a home model, but that was completely different, too. That was sold by Sears. Game of the Week. That was our Game of the Week. But anyway, so let's, let's, uh, let's go on with our next, uh, our next little uh, part of our show. It's time for Mort's Weekend Update, the week's news in pinball. Okay, so we've got everybody's favorite Mort is back. Good old Mort is back because we know how much everybody loves Mort, so I'd like to introduce Mort with this week's news in pinball. Hi, everyone. This is Mort. Hey, hi, Shaggy. Hey, Mort. Hey, who's that other guy over there? That's uh, Norm. Oh, hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I, I went to the Big Bang Bar pickup. So how was the Big Bang Bar pickup? Oh, I had a horrible time. Mort, why didn't you have a good time? Well, Mr. Cunningham was very, very nice to me, and he gave me a nice sandwich, 
and, and I went to, when I went to get my game. It was very nice to me. It was very nice. But I didn't have a good time, though. Well, I picked up the game, and I strapped it on the back of my Ferrari. And I was driving along at about 100 miles an hour so I could get home to Nebraska in like 40 minutes when a policeman pulled me over and arrested me after a high-speed chase. High-speed chase? You mean not in a Ferrari but in a Lamborghini, no doubt. And he said something about my suspended license and I would be spending 23 days at the Paris Hilton or something. Paris gets a lot of bad press more, but let's put it to you this way. She would be the best-looking girl that you ever spent 23 days with in your whole life, no doubt. Well, anyway, the Paris Hilton looked more like a jail to me. You understand me? Mort, that's because Paris was in jail for uh, 23 days, you know? Well, I snuck out the back of the jail, because I'm such a skinny little fella, you know, and, and I had to sell my BBB for $13,000 to pay for my legal expenses. And this is all true. It's just exactly how I remember it or made it up. Well, that's it for Mort. I'm bringing you the news as I see it. Bye-bye. So long from Mort's Weekend Update. What did you think of that, Norm? Mort is very inventive. I like his humor. Most people probably hate it, but I think he's uh, he's probably on methamphetamines or crack. I can't figure out which one it is. In his voice, doesn't his voice kind of remind you of, like, your ex-wife? No, it's sort of like a Jerry Lewis type of guy with somebody pinching him, you know, like somewhere. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. in his pinballs. And now it's time for Tech Tip of the Week. All right, Norm, we're going to talk about a tech tip. This is something interesting. I was working on, uh, actually, Eric A. sold this guy uh, that I know a uh, a Black Rose, which is, what, a 1992 Bally... WPC, Bally Williams WPC game, but it's under the Bally moniker. So, uh, you, have you ever played Black Rose? I think I have, but not in a long, long time. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting game. It has that cannon Doesn't in the Dale middle. Does Dale have one, or no? No. It has the cannon in, uh, in the kind of the middle of the play field. You load the cannon, and the thing rotates back and forth. You hit the fire button or the flipper buttons in it, and it kind of shoots the ball out from underneath the play field. And, and, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a neat game. It's got a bunch of video modes and stuff. But anyways, no, this, I have not played this it. guy's wife plays the bejesus out of this game. I mean, she loves this game. And he noticed that a bunch of lights weren't working, so he went and tried to change the light bulbs. And we put in new light bulbs, and the lights still didn't work. So this guy actually had half a brain. He was he was pretty sharp in that regard. He went to the book and looked up on the back page. There's like a lamp matrix, which is an eight by eight table, eight rows by eight columns. And he noticed that all the lamps were out, were all in one row. But that's as far as he could take it. He didn't know anything about electronics. He was just reading the book and found that. So he called me, and I, I said I'd come over and help him. Sure enough, went over there, and he said, you know, I, I know that I might have messed up the connectors. So I looked at the bottom right corner of the WPC driver board, and the row uh, connectors are, are stick out like a sore thumb on that board because it's the only .100 inch Molex connector on the whole WPC driver board. Everything else is .156, you know, a larger connector. So this has three in a row three connectors like stacked on top of each other where you can put three different plugs and what they do is they have one plug for the play field usually one plug for the um uh insert panel on the back glass and then a third plug for like if um you know maybe the coin door area and that's what this is one of the lamps was the coin door 
uh, or not the coin door, but the start button that blinks, and there was two lamps up in the insert panel, and then the other six lamps or five lamps were in the play field. And when I first went through, I thought that since he, he did, in fact, screw up one of the connectors, uh, I fixed the connector, and it still didn't work. But then what I did is I took a light bulb and an alligator clip, and I clipped it to the row. This was row eight. That was the the, the lamp matrix row in question. Clipped Excuse it. me. Is this going to take more than an hour? <laughs> so then I, I okay. I took a light bulb, clipped uh, an alligator clip to one side of the light bulb to row eight, and then the other side to any one of the column numbers. Row row one through eight. I mean, it doesn't matter. Okay, Norm, fine. And the lights were flashing. I had the game and lamp test, and the light flashed. So why wouldn't it flash when I hooked up the connectors? If it, if I had just one lamp on there, it would flash. So you got any ideas, Norm, why why that would happen? Because something was wrong. Do you have any ideas, Norm? Because, you I'm, know... I haven't... There are connections out somewhere. <laughs> You're such a bonehead. Anyways, what what was interesting was is that I was had the light bulb hooked up without a diode. Normally in circuit, <gasps> no. there's the light bulb <laughs> with, a, with a one end four thousand and one or four thousand and four diode. And I was just for this test with the alligator clips and light bulb. I wasn't using a diode, and it was working fine without the diode. And but when I hooked up the lamp matrix plug, and I was just using the coin door one you know, the start button, which is just a single lamp, it wouldn't work. So that's like a good comparison of one lamp to one lamp with diode without. I thought that was really, really odd. And so what I did is I reached in my toolbox and I found a diode, put it in, you know, circuit with the with the row and how it was supposed to be wired, and um, all of a sudden it wouldn't work, sure enough. So what I did is I went to the driver board and there's a TIP 102 Darlington transistor that controls the row for the the uh, lamp matrix, and I decided to replace that transistor. Sure, you know, 50 cent item, why not? Replaced it, and bingo, all of a sudden it worked. You know, so it was interesting that the lamp test would work with no diode on the lamp. It, the transistor would work, but with a diode it would not. So the forward voltage drop out of the diode was screwing up the transistor. The transistor, I guess, was maybe just barely working. A, uh, a Huntron to look at it with, but um, it was interesting. I replaced the transistor. You should have saved it, and you could have did a test of the transistor, and that would have given you more information about what what was wrong with it, and then helped you with your logic. You know what I did instead? Threw it away. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. That's well, you exactly could have what just I did. figured it out, did a value, and then you would have helped you with your logic next time. But you don't think that way. Of the week. That was our tech tip of the week. You know, that's if you want to give us a call with a tech question, uh, you can call us and uh, you know and uh, ask us any sort of tech question, or you got some opinions or anything else on games you want to talk about. Or give crazy us crazy story. Yeah, racy stories. Hey George, I just had to call and tell you about this really great magazine I got. It's called the Pin Game Journal, and it's the only magazine dedicated totally to pinball. It's got great articles and interviews with designers and everything. No, George, I won't loan you my copy. Who knows where you'll take it to. You're going to have to go to PinGameJournal.com and get your own subscription. But George, the guy says that each issue will get mailed whenever he feels like it. What's the deal with that? All right, George, I gotta go. Gotta call Elaine and tell her. I can't believe how good this magazine is. 
Okay, Norm, you got we got some uh, tech questions here. Why don't you go yeah, ahead? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the, the phone is just ringing off the hook. Well, there's this guy named Tom Palmer. He's from London, Ontario, and he's got a whirlwind made by Williams. And his question is, as we speak, I'm restoring a whirlwind for a friend, and I'm repainting and using a new decal set. Cabinet has a lot of damage. It was not possible to restore using usual methods. I was wondering if you and Norm are planning a video on decals and w- what I would call extreme measures to restore cabinets, back boxes, boards, etc. With all the repro pots and decals and translates available, you can do amazing things if you keep up what's out there. Um, we sort of did that. Yeah, we to did a it small extent. Yeah, in top seven, we didn't re-decal a cabinet, but I took a cabinet that was pretty darn tore up, made my own uh, decals for it, and made it. You know, I, I I'm amazed how well that cabinet. It really does look like new. Um, no, but we didn't apply any of these pre-made decals like uh, Illinois pinball, for example, sells. We we didn't do that. I, I'm not a big fan of cabinet decals, to be honest with You've you. You've done a couple. I, I've done them, but I'm just not a big Why fan of them. Why don't you just explain roughly what what are the, some of the tricks with with doing one? You know, let me tell you first why I. You know, these people, they have slight, I would say, very slightly damaged cabinets, and then they, they re-decal them. I think once you re-decal a cabinet, especially a cabinet that was never decaled before, um, I take issue with that. I, I really think that that's a problem. I'd rather have a, a cabinet, an original screen cabinet. Well, we should back up. The, how, are cabinets, uh, how are cabinets screened? You know, there's, there were some where they're actually screened directly, Onto the you know onto wood. the wood so to speak, and then there's some where there's like a painted a, you got painted well, ones. Well, there's yeah I'm talking about 90s games, which is beyond any of the of the um, screen or or the um, stencil uh, cabinets. I'm not talking about stencil cabinets. I'm talking about stuff that was you know 90s and newer. So you have uh, ones where um, you know the the cabinet company actually screened the graphics directly onto the wood. You've got another style where they lay down a white kind of vinyl material onto the wood, and then they screen on the white vinyl material, directly on the white vinyl material. Then you have actual cabinet decals like that were used on Monster Bash and Cactus Canyon, which are, you know, like peel-and-stick style. Um, The only one I would really consider doing a, a new cabinet decal measuring in would be, you know, the Cactus Canyon Monster Bash. Everything else, I would want to try and repair them as best I could. Um... Because right, they're going to be far more durable. Oh, far what do you do durable. with a bad faded cabinet like Indiana Jones or one of those? If, if you're really anal and you want to fix this thing up, don't well, you do it? Well, in the case of Indiana Jones, it was a four-process color um, des- design, and they do uh, they use a lot of that sunbursting where they take like the um, the red fades to kind of an orange, which fades to a yellow, and and then the red obviously fades with time, and there isn't a lot you. You can't really touch that up. I mean, you're never going to get a good look. So on that one, you really don't have much choice. You pretty much have to go the cabinet decal route if you're um, if you demand an unfaded cabinet. That you know that would be that would be a, a uh, an exception to the rule. But let's take something like Adams Family. Adams Family is your basic black cabinet with just a couple colors. I think that one's real you know fairly easy to touch up. Uh, in the, in this regard, and I would much rather touch that up uh, and spray a l- very light clear coat over it after I touch it up, opposed to actually uh, re-decaling it, re- you know, putting new decals on. Because none of the Adams families were decal cabinets; they were all s- 
you know, screen directly on the wood or screen with a vinyl process. Well, let's get back to the question. You you did do a decal, and this guy's asking about it. You did the one on the Cactus Canyon. You had a white right, wood. Right, right. And you turned uh, Elvira that was out of Williams into a uh, into a Cactus Canyon. What issues do you have trying to align those those decals so you don't mess it up? That's got to be a big problem. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge one. And, what, and just to kind of explain, to give people a little background, um, this was a game I got. It was a Whitewood uh, Cactus Canyon, and I had the game working in a Whitewood, and it was in an Elvira Scared Stiff cabinet because, you know, that's typical for a Whitewood. They're in an older game cabinet because that's just how they did it at Williams. Well, the graphics weren't completed yet. Nothing, yeah, no well, artwork yet. Yeah, it was just a Whitewood, so the cabinet was just a cabinet. You know, it wasn't meant for any more than that. So I got this game, and I got it working as a Whitewood, and... Yeah, I don't know if you ever played a white wood, but white woods just suck to play. I mean, they're—it's awful. It's weird. You don't know what you're going after. Yeah, because nothing's really labeled. So what I did but is it's I took—it's a, it's a great history. You yeah, know, it's great I, history. I, you know, I took little stickers and put them over the inserts, so I had some idea of what to shoot for. And it's—I there's only one white wood, right? I no, there was, the, the, and this was not even a late white wood. There was at least three other white woods. And this one wasn't even a late one. So um, what I ended up doing is buying, at the time, I bought a Cactus Canyon Playfield brand new for 200 bucks, right from Williams. And a Translite. And a Translite. And some other accessories. Oh, yeah, I need a bunch of parts. They didn't even have the original... Uh... I, you couldn't get the light boards for under the Playfield. So um, I basically... And to make matters worse, the light, the light, the lamp matrix was different in the Whitewood than it was in the final production game. So, using production software, if the game went to light lamp number 10, which was extra ball, while my game, lamp number 10, was the left out lane. You know what I mean? It was like that. So I essentially had to rewire the whole game, and there was no lamp boards. So I had install a lamp socket for each lamp insert, and actually do all eight rows and all eight columns, it was a big job. It was a huge job, actually. And there were other issues, too. You had to get the decals. Back to the decals, yeah. Okay, so bought the decals. Now, there's two ways to put decals on, well, dry and the wet. decals? The Williams? No, the yeah, top? I got them right from Williams. At the time, you could buy them in Williams Parts Department. I think they were already closed as a pinball company, but their parts department existed for another year or two before Cunningham bought it. You um, couldn't get the gun tray either. You had the original one that they made. Right, right. There was a couple things I couldn't get. The the lower ball arch, you know, I'm using the uh, the white wood version, that, you know, which is uh, just a black arch with a uh, a little sticker that, that they, hey, they made guns and put too. it on there. Plastic guns were a little different. But anyway, it's not to deviate too far off course. Um, what I did is I installed the decals dry. Looking back on it, that was a, just a bitch. Um, I probably should have done them wet. When you do them wet, what you do is you can actually buy... There's a companies that, that deal in, in decal application. You can actually buy a solution that you put in, like in a spray bottle that you spray down on the cabinet. Oh, you wet it? Yeah, you wet it with this stuff, and then you can put the decals on and kind of reposition oh, them. float it? Yeah, you can float it. Um, so then it has some kind of time lag before it actually sets, right? Right, exactly. That makes some sense. Yeah, and and if you don't want to buy it, you can actually use a solution of just soapy water. That works, too. Mm. Uh, or some people use Windex. I prefer the soapy water technique. I would buy the whatever they're selling. Yeah, I would buy it. Yeah, the, the preferred method is to buy the, the advertised product, but some people aren't into well, that. If you're dropping four bills for things, what's another 
you know, twenty Eight bucks. bucks or whatever it is. You're gonna be out right. of your mind not to. Now I did it dry, and it was difficult to do without getting any air bubbles, but not impossible. You just have to get the decal lined up, which is you know you got the cabinet basically. If there's any defects in the cabinet, you have to sort those out. Any sort of nick or scratch will telegraph its way through the new decal. So you have to, you know, use body filler and block sand it and make sure the cabinet's pretty much perfect. Now, in this particular one... Do you have to get a bite? Do you have to get it rough and all? No, no, you don't have to do that. As a matter of fact, you don't really want to do that because it makes positioning the decals more difficult. And any sort of um, roughness can telegraph through to the new decal. So you want that thing pretty smooth. Um, the other thing you should do is paint all the corners black. So anywhere where two pieces of wood come together at a right angle, um, you need to just kind of like spray paint a black, you know, edge along that. That way, if the decals open up a little bit or where they meet and you cut them with a razor blade, uh, you won't see a white area. Instead, you'll see, uh, you know, you'll see black and it blends better. Um, now, on this particular cabinet, it was the scared stiff. I, a lot of that stuff I didn't have to do because this cabinet was basically immaculate you know it was um all the stuff that came out of uh williams these white woods and that you know they obviously weren't beating up the the stuff so the cabinets were really 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 nice except the fact that it got pulled out of a dumpster <laughs> actually this one didn't Is that a, which one the okay, one i had it, yeah didn't it come was out of a dumpster yes, it, no, did. it it came out of uh the end of the guy's driveway he was throwing it out and a friend of mine went the designer matt Coriel was actually throwing the game out and he called a friend of mine and said you know that white wood cactus can in heaven, it's at the end of my street right now, uh, garbage man comes tomorrow yeah, if you want it stories. come over and get it just amazing how it's a one man's trash and treasure or, you know, yeah so my buddy went and got it and it was the white wood and uh, you know there weren't any boards in it that was one disadvantage but my buddy worked at Williams at the time so he had a whole bunch of boards so he sold the whole thing to me with boards for, got it I want to say seven, seven yeah, seven hundred bucks. I think it was seven fifty actually. But anyways, make try to make a uh, really long, stupid story a little bit shorter. Um, I, I did it dry, and basically, when you, it's hard to explain. It'd be easier in a video format. But you, when you're peeling the decals off, you know, I'm kind of doing it in a large swipe, and I got a squeegee. And anytime I got an air bubble, as long as you don't go too far, you can you can kind of back the decal off. But you got to be real careful that you don't rip it. So it's, do, you, it's, do you start on a corner or do you start on the edge? I start on an edge. Hold on a second. We're going to make take a call here. Hello, welcome to Topcast. Yeah, I got a question on a Williams space shuttle. Sure. Um, the display on it, every once in a while, they just go black, and then eventually I'll. Uh, come on on their own when when you say they go ba- black what do you you mean when you're playing yeah even, even if you have it on sometimes they'll go all the lights will go out on the on the dis- on the display the score display Loose the commas will still be there have you um checked the ribbon cables just for fun yes i i've when they were out i've taken it off and uh, wiggled them and it doesn't seem to make any difference and you've reset the connectors, or you know, redone the um, the ribbon cables on, on the on the CPU board and on and where it comes into the master displays. Yeah. Okay. That I've cape. done that, and I haven't taken the circuit boards off and reset and reflowed the pins. No, I, I don't recommend you do that. Did I don't you, think you need to. Was that okay. ribbon cable ever kinked in the uh, in the back box when it was put together? Did you look for any creases in it? 
Norm is is questioning how good the ribbon cable is, what kind of condition it's in. I don't think that's the. So we issue. just did that on Rob's game. <laughs> did you? I, yes. Really? We I kinked it and we shut the display off. So, and then we took the ribbon cable was stuck between the back box and the game, and then we opened it up, got the ribbon cable out. And we're lucky enough to bend it back and get get it to work. So you got to look for a severe kink in there, and that could be giving you intermittent. Uh, play i mean that's that's a possibility and you got to check out any possibilities that i'm going to give you or he'll give you um so he's he's saying basically check the ribbon cable okay now that's just one that's one idea there's there's a couple other things to check too and that's when it goes out did you check the voltages no that would be another thing to do if you can get it where it's out for you know long enough where you can get the back box open and check the voltages you got to have Minus 100, plus 100, 5 volts um, coming out of uh, the power supply. I believe the connector is on the lower left-hand side of the power supply. You can check the schematics to be exact. Okay, I did. I did replace the power supply. I did replace the power supply. And that made no difference. Uh, no. What about the pins? I put a. I put a you know, aftermarket one in. That, that's fine. That's fine. That, that, that's okay. Okay, so the next thing would be to actually check the glass themselves. Do the, all five of the gl- display glasses go out? Yes. Yeah, it's kind of is kind of leading down that road to maybe there it is the ribbon cable actually. Okay. <laughs> oh, excuse me. How about the pins? It, it's uh, you know that to be honest with you Norm, the the pins on that it's it's it, it, it maybe on one display it would go out, but to see all five displays go out. See, I, it, it's sounding. That's why I go to the cable because I, this one was kinked really bad. I don't know if I, is that an easy thing to find a new cable. Yeah, actually, actually they are pretty easy. You can have them made if you, or make them yourself. Do you have another ribbon cable you can try in the game? Uh, I don't. Um, I could order some. I think it doesn't. Uh... Well, do me a favor. Get another ribbon cable. Try it and send me an email back. And let me know what happened. This is a perfect stump the chump episode. I see it coming. <laughs> okay. Try the ribbon cable thing, and then email me back and let me know what you what you found out. Okay. I also got a, another uh, question. I have a ball bowler, and they have a bunch of uh, uh, relays that use uh, the blades on them. Have a hole spacing on the where the screws go through of a quarter inch. Is there a source where you could buy those? Wait, you mean you want to, you want switch blades? Yeah, the, you know I've had one break and I had actually made one from scratch. You could find those. You could yeah, find Steve parts. Young sells switch blades, and and you know what he does is he sells them in 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 links. Well, yeah, well they comes in. I have I, I I have I bought a bunch of those and in the, in the contacts, but the, for for the relays on this, the hole spacing typically like on pinball machines is three eighths of an inch, the two holes. And on the uh, on these relays, um, they're closer together. They're quarter inch. You mean you're talking about the mounting point, the two mounting screws, right? Yeah. yeah. Who made this thing? It's Bally. Oh no wonder it's Bally. Okay. Well, no, I actually took one of the ones from Steve Young and and modified it. You know. Well, that'll work. Are you what you cut it and resoldered it? Well, actually, I just um, re- just it's shorter, and actually drilled down, drilled two holes down below. And uh, you know, made it work. But I was well, hoping, you know, because you know, well, I was, was it that what or has a lot of relays in there, 
and I was just hoping to have some on hand if any of them ever broke. Well, this is what I would do, or what you can do. So you take the spacing on the ones that Steve Young sells you, the holes are too far apart, right? Yes. Okay, so this is what you do. You take one of the Steve Young ones, and what you do is you cut it in, like, you cut it right between the two, the two mounting holes. Then put them together. And what you have is one part of the, the blade is going to overlap the other one. And if it overlaps, so what? Mm-hmm. You, see, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the, when you tighten the, the switch stack back together, it'll hold it all together, and the overlap thing is fine. So all you got to do is just cut it right between the two mounting screws, assemble the thing, you'll get a little bit of overlap, what, a sixteenth of an inch of overlap, which is fine. And that just will be between the sandwich of the, of the Bakelite switch stack blades, and you're good to go. That's all I would do. Okay. So, you know, that's that's pretty simple. Does it make sense, what I just said? Yeah. So, there you go. There's the quick and easy way. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank well th- thanks. Send us an email and let us know about the other thing. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. See, one of the problems with that uh, that cable um, that's connecting it back to this first problem was that that's the hardest thing to find is an intermittent short in a wire. So, I think he's going to have to replace that uh that cable, and once he does that, I think it's... You're uh, talking about the ribbon cable? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably a good start. It's got I, a good crease in it, I bet. You know, you know, there's a, a trick you can do. Um, You know, back in the... Uh, when you buy, like, a new uh, hard drive for your computer, you get these ribbon cables, and they're, like, a million feet. They're 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 longer than you need, and the and the connectors are like I don't know twenty pins. You can always use those at least temporarily, even though they're a lot they're too big. You can use them temporarily. Well, here comes the real answer. No, no, they hung up. Um, so you can use those kind of temporarily to see uh, as proof of concept to see if they if they work or not. Um, you know, and then if they do, you can always cut them. Uh, and if you screw it up, you just buy another hard drive and get another free cable. No, I'm just kidding about that. But anyways, um, back to our uh, cabinet decal thing. I installed them dry. You just got to go slow and precise, and you it's not so bad. You started on an edge. Why wouldn't you start in a corner? I know. I start on a on a on a long edge. I start on a long edge. So um, what happens if you're like long? The problem is if you start in a corner, it's too hard to align the the, the like you're doing the side of a decal. The thing's four five feet long. It's too hard to align it if you start at the corner. You've got to start on a big... I start at the butt end of the cabinet on the big long edge, peel it back, get it aligned, and then go. Well, Hold on. Hi, welcome to TopCast. i got a tech question for Shaggy. Okay, wait. An, uh, EM machine, Jetspin. Okay, wait, wait, what's your first name? Dan. Dan, where are you from, Dan? Uh, Wisconsin. All right, Dan, t- uh, shoot, you got a, uh, a Gottlieb Jetspin question? Right. Yeah, I've got the, it's got the AX, BX, and CX relays, and the the problem with it is uh, it won't reset. The the uh, mo- reset motor just continues to spin like on an old EM, you know? And if you go back to the player unit that controls the numbers and manually increment it all the way so that it resets, the game plays fine. But the player unit will not increment. It's the last step in the reset sequence, and I can't figure it out. On the player unit... When you kind of you you know you undo the the screw and kind of bring it back and you can look at all have you looked at all the switch stacks I think there's a set of five six five or six switch stacks yeah there's like five or six and then there's one 
one switch on there that's the the final reset, you know, like at the sixth position or whatever. Exactly. Once it's gone all the way around rotation, that last switch closes and everything is peachy. Right. And that's what it's... But the the problem is the darn coil won't increment. But it's, it's interesting because if you put four players up, as soon as it hits the initial reset sequence, it'll play the game, switch the player units, receive the balls, it does everything normally. The very initial reset will not work. Did you look at the coin unit? Um, yeah, that's that funky plastic thing on there. No, no, no. The coin unit, the coin unit in that game is mounted on the bottom panel of the game, and it's uh, right next to the knocker unit in the chime box. Okay. Now well, this one's different. This has. Are you talking? To, I'm thinking about the two coins, one play unit with the two coils on it. And the plastic are the plastic uh, piece that makes it roll. It, it looks like a match unit almost. No, I'm not talking about that. No, okay. The coin unit on on that on a because this guy uh, Jetspin's a four player, right? Yeah, it's or a two player actually. Okay. Oh, it's a two player. Then it might not have a coin unit because the coin unit's a f- maybe a four player thing. Ah, I can't remember. Yeah, sorry about that. It is two player. Yeah. It's two-player. Norm, talk to this guy. I'm going to look at the schematic. i got it right here. <laughs> Norm, talk to this guy. So what's things going on in Wisconsin right now? Norm, ask him about his game. Try and help him. Help him? Jeez, put it into the lake, and you'll be done with it. Come on, Norm. But, uh, well, I'll get the schematic out. He's not out. laughing. <laughs> what other games do you have in your collection? Um, Harley-Davidson. Uh, well, play ball, Williams, or uh, Gottlieb play ball. Oh, yeah, well, it's like 58. Uh, 76. Um, racquetball. Um, and, uh, 1961. Oh. Um, skill ball. Oh. So on the player unit, you've got, um, one of the stacks in the player unit is responsible for resetting all the score reels. Um,. Right, and uh, you might have two of those that are responsible for that. I can't remember. And then you've got two pieces, two stacks: one for player one, one for player two. And then you've got the uh, the home and the reset stack. Um, and I would check all those switches and clean them and make sure you've got good uh, tension on those. I would also check, of course, the AB, AX, and BX relays too, uh, and make sure yep. that those are all properly adjusted. Those are really hard to adjust. And, uh, have I, good... I, I pulled them out of the game. I put the board up on a sure. on a workbench and looked at it, and just did, tried not to bend them at all, just because they are so touchy. Right. Um, but I, I still think it's got to be somewhere in there. What in the AXBX? I'm thinking because the the other thing it doesn't want to do is it doesn't want on the very on the uh, if you if you force the ball from from the return over the ramp, there's a, a switch there that basically increments the ball. So it goes from ball one to ball two, ball three. It senses the ball travel once the kicker kicks it out into the shooting lane. Right. If you manually throw that ball over that lane, it uh, it changes. It, I think it changes the play the ball or the player. Are you talking about the, it kicks the ball from the out hole to the shooter lane? Okay. So let me ask you this: When you hit reset, and the whole game resets, and the ball sitting in the out hole, and it, and everything's ready, but it never kicks the ball from the out hole to the shooter lane. No, actually, what's happening is it doesn't get that far. It will. It it starts to reset. Um, it pulls in the relays in the in the backboard, but the player unit won't move. Are you saying the scores never reset to zero? 
That's correct. Okay, well, that's that's the first thing you have to solve. It, the, it, that means that you got to look at the... Um, yeah, they will reset if you increment the player unit. You know what I mean? It's just the player unit won't advance itself. So if I manually increment the player unit one click, and there's a score up on the first player, it'll reset them all to zeros. But then the player player unit won't increment to go to the second player to reset that one unless you manually increment it, you know, or manually move the lever. Then it'll reset that player, and then if you hit it, I think it's three times more, it go it sees that it's at the end position and the reset sequence is complete, and then the game plays just fine. It kicks the ball out, and it'll play all five balls until the game's over. And it'll game over sequence, too. Did you just say it's a? Did you say it's jet spin? Yeah, it's jet spin. Jet spin is October seventy-seven. That's a four-player game. Oh, you want to know what? I'm sorry. It's it must be super spin then. Jet's its sister. Uh, okay. Yeah, the two the two player I think is uh, super spin, right? Yep, 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 yep. I don't have a schematic for that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking jet spins four players. I know it's four players. Why is he saying that two players? Uh, no, so you got. No, I, I, I was confused. Okay. Um, it is super. Yep. Okay. It is super spin. Okay. Good. 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 Um. Again, I did you clean the uh, the Bakelite um, discs, the moving and the stationary one on the player unit? Sure did. Okay, and um, it it operates freely. Yeah, it works great. Okay, and when you increment that switch underneath the ball trough, the player unit will advance. Right. Yep, once once everything was reset. Right, right. Well, there is a chance that when you reassemble the player unit that you have the moving Bakelite disc off by one rivet on the stationary, you know, that it's it's misaligned. But I'm going to assume that you, when you did that, you did assemble the player unit correctly and that there isn't a misalignment. Because if you're off by one rivet... Uh, you, I, I guess you could get a problem like this, but let's assume that you did that correctly. Did you look at Z1 and Z2? Um, yeah, I don't remember what those... you got to look at Z1 and Z2. They're in the head. Okay, okay. they're real important. Um, there may only... You know, I can't remember. Z1 and Z2 is, uh, is part of a four-player design. I can't remember if it's used on a two-player because I don't have a super spin schematic. I've only got jet spin. But basically, the Z1 and Z2 is what resets those score reels. Because the score reels aren't getting reset, that's really where you got to concentrate on. Okay. All right, we're going to let you go. If let I us, figure let out us know what happened and send me an email. Will do. Thank you. Thanks, Norm. Thanks, Shaggy. Thanks, Norm. Bye. Thank you. What you think of that one, Norm? You know, it it gets tough when you're not you don't have a game in front of you and you're trying to diagnose problems. Uh, Mostly when he tells me it's a the wrong game, yeah. that, that, that yeah, makes no, it no. even harder. Like yeah. I have the game and you got to be game psychic. Game psychic. But, you know, that's we're all Norm. You know, we all we all forget things. It's it's you know. Here's a good one. Here's an email one we got. Um, this guy's name is Thomas. He's in San Diego, California. He's got a Williams Grand Lizard. It says the left bottom flipper is very weak. The coil is good. That was the extent of his email. I, I assume he doesn't want the left bottom flipper to be weak anymore. Probably. Yeah, probably. So the first thing you check, of course, is the end-of-stroke switch. End-of-stroke switch should be closed. Make sure it's nice and clean with ample pressure on the two Why contacts. Why don't you explain what the end-of-stroke switch If this guy doesn't can't even tell you what a problem is, maybe you're going to have to explain that. The game psychic norm. Look at him. Anyways, okay, so a flipper coil is two parts. You've got a low-resistance, high-power side that's the initial kick, 
and then you've got a high resistance, low power side, which is the hold. All right, let's take this. Hold on. Hi, welcome to Topcast. Hi, it's Paul in California. I have a tech question on the Shadow. Sure, fire away. Okay, uh, so I've got uh, the Shadow here, and uh, there's a, uh, a drop target on there. I'm not talking about the big wall target. Yes, I, kn I know what you mean, right, right in front of an eject hole. Exactly. And uh, if you look at that target, there's a solenoid that makes the target go up, and then there's a small coil, which is a magnet that makes the coil go down. Right, it's, a, it's a, like a release coil that drives, so that they can control the drop target either going up or down. Exactly. And uh, so that uh, small coil, it, it uh, burned up, and it took the TIP-102 transistor with it. And uh, I just uh, replaced the transistor, I replaced the coil, and I put it all back together. Uh, but now I have a different problem, <laughs> and it's really weird. Uh, if I go into test mode and uh, and I uh, go into the solenoid test and I select uh, drop target down, the uh, magnet and the solenoid both fire at the same time. They're both energized at the same time. So it's like it's trying to drop the target down and put the target up both at the same time. So it's almost like something shorted out, but I can't see anything that's shorted out. Maybe in his uh, soldering of that transistor he uh, bought something. What do you think? i, I got to agree with Norm on this one. Um, I, I think, did you resolder the uh, the header pins by chance on the driver board when you did this? I, I did not, and uh, this particular TIP-102 transistor is actually on the Fliptronics board. Ooh, okay. Okay, well, it's good that you didn't resolder the header pins. A lot of people resolder header pins. On WPC boards, uh, I tend not to do that because um, the quality of the boards is excellent, and I rarely see um, botched connectors, and I've had guys resolder them, and they do solder bridges and cause all kinds of problems. So you're saying that the coil that, or the transistor that drives this is on the Fliptronics board because they ran out of driver transistors, and that game only has two flippers, so why not use a transistor on the Fliptronics board? Right. Okay. So, on the on the uh, did you look at the Fliptronics board anymore? I haven't pulled it back out. I, you know, that's that's one area that is suspect. Yeah. What I would do is there's um, a bunch of one n four thousand and four diodes on there. You just using your multimeter. I would test each one of those. There's also some resistors. Again, with your meter, I would test those. Uh, it only takes a minute, and it's pretty straightforward stuff. Also, did you replace the pre-driver, too? Uh, no. Yeah, I probably would do that. Um, and I would also res reset all the ribbon cables in the game, too. Um, well, I had the ribbon cables off and put them back on when I, uh, you know, when I had the Fliptronics board out, I had the ribbon cable off. Off the Fliptronics, but they're also on the C... They also go to the CPU board and to the, um... Uh, the soundboard in the dot matrix board. Just you know, just pull them off a quarter inch and push them back on. You don't actually have to physically remove them all the way. Uh, just do that for me. That's a real quick and easy thing. Um, and you know, I, I mean, it's probably not the problem, but I always tell people to do that anyways because you know, it's you don't have to pull it off all the way. You just basically take it off an eighth of an inch and push it back on. And uh, you know, that that kind of I've seen that error, that type of problem before, be uh, uh, fixed by something as minor as that. But anyways. Back to the other issue. Um, yeah, I would say that there's 
some sort of issue with the Fliptronics, I would put flip your Shadow Fliptronics into your creature and just kind of see what happens. Um, the only problem is is that your creature is only two flippers also, so it may not use that transistor. But it would be some sort of information. And if you wanted to get ballsy, you could take the Fliptronics from the creature and put it into the Shadow. But the question is, is why did this happen uh, in the first place? And it happened after you did a repair, so that's got to be suspect. Yeah, like Norm was saying, maybe when you hook the coils up, maybe you hook the wires up wrong to the coils. There's a, that's always a possibility you should check into, but I'll assume you did that right. That the target may have been hanging up and not dropping down cleanly, and uh, so when I had it all apart, I tried to work on that. You know, I put a new coil sleeve in there, and I adjusted the... Uh, the um, uh, what do they call it, that release arm a little bit. Right. So that it doesn't get hung up. And so you mean the thing was firing continually and it just cooked itself? Um, it wasn't like a repetitive firing. Uh, when it would cook, I, there was no no sound effects whatsoever. There was, uh, you know, just a burning smell. Hmm. Okay, and, and you replaced the coil too, right? I did. I, I guess those and, and reset the, uh, the, the all the ribbon cables and from there then I would just see what happens. The uh, tip 102 for the for the small coil that's on the Fliptronics board, but I think the uh, the driver for the the large solenoid is actually on the main driver board. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that was kind of throwing me off. You know, how could how could one be shorted to the other if they're on two different boards? Well, if it's a if it's a data line issue, i.e., a ribbon cable issue, that could certainly happen. Norm says that maybe you installed the ribbon cable, you know, off a pin, but you know, you got to really try to do that. But it's not impossible. Right. Uh, I think that would screw up some other things too. Hmm. Probably. Yeah. But it's it's worth looking at. You got to again, you know, trying to diagnose games we don't see. It's part psychic. <laughs> Yeah, part part psychic. And Norm is good at that. I'm like 2,500 miles away, fix my game. You know, it's, we're trying. <laughs> well, anyways, get to send me an email back and let me know what you find out. All right, thanks, guys. All right, I wish I could be of a greater help and give you something that I know was the right answer, but that's the best I can offer you. Yeah, no problem. I'll check it out. All right, take care. Bye. Maybe you can fly up to California and fix it. How much do you think that would cost them? You have... Oh, we got a shirt to give away, don't we? Yeah. God, that's right. I forgot about this. Um, How we've about the got... Next yeah, thanks for just kind of putting the brakes on everything. You're welcome. Um, no problem. But Norm, Norm does mention we do have some pin game journal... I'll take the first shirt. ...shirts to give away. And we'll take the first collar... Generously given. ...at pingamejournal.com. I'm a little tired. So if you want a pin game journal uh, shirt, give me a call, and you can have a pin game journal shirt. It's a fabulous magazine. Yeah, it is a good magazine. You know, it's a good pinball magazine, all all pinball, nothing but pinball. If you're into pinball, that's the magazine to get. A lot of hard work goes into that. Hi, welcome to TopCast. Clay. Yes, sir. Curb. Curb. How you doing? You want the shirt? You want the shirt? I was gonna call and help you guys out, but you're already ending your show. No, we're not done. Help us out. We always yeah, we can always use the help. What's up? I'll take the shirt. Oh, so okay, so Curb gets the shirt. We're gonna send that to Curb. Okay, what what size do you want? XL. Haven't you seen me lately? Extra, triple, quadruple, large. What are the sizes? What are the sizes available? Small and extra small. I think you. Yeah, you can put it on your dog. So what do you got for us, Curb? 
I was going to call in do a phone or a tech tip since I didn't get you unrecorded. Okay, fire away. What's our you doing our uh, system eighty tech tip? Yeah. Okay, fire away. All right, this one is a haunted house soundboard. If you follow along with the test procedure that they have in the book, it, it's what sucks about haunted house with no speech chip. They don't call out the sound lines during the test. When when you do a sound check in test mode, you ground the sound lines on the card edge of the board, and it'll it'll if it has a voice chip, it'll say one four. 16, depending on the sound line. If you've got a sound line stuck internal to the board with a bad riot chip or whatever, it'll constantly repeat that sound line. With mm. Haunted House, you don't have that option. Right, because it has no speech. Exactly. But Godweeb sort of screwed up because they made every sound line respond with five tones. So you have no idea which sound line is stuck low when you do the soundboard check. The thing to do when you go into the sound check, you hit the button once, if you don't get any tones, it means that your ROMs and RAMs are okay. But you can also check the sound lines. What you have to do is you have to wait a good 10, 15 seconds because if there's any sound line stuck low, you have to wait for the, the soundboard to fire them off to you with the five tones. The problem is you can't figure out which one it is. So you can't figure out if you got a bad TTL on the incoming or if you got a bad riot, and you end up having to use your logic probe. And uh, that's, that's a real downside to that particular soundboard. But uh, so the, the whole thing is when you're doing sound line checks on the System 80 Haunted House soundboard, is go through the procedure, but before you start grounding sound lines, you got to wait before the, the, the board itself starts coughing up bad input lines. Also, it helps to dis disconnect the driver board so you're not getting any funky signals coming from the driver board or the CPU. Yeah, in case there's a driver board problem. Exactly. Right. Right. That's my phoner, man. All right, man. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I appreciate you calling in with that, and we'll get that T-shirt out to no, you. No, I want his shirt. Norm wants your shirt. I'll send one both to you. you have a double XL for Norm. That, no, a quadruple. Hey, I want to know about your girlfriend now. <laughs> you, you're talking to Russian. Yeah. <laughs> My Can you just send us a yeah. Send us a picture. Was she a blonde, a bleach blonde? No, man. She was a five foot eight, dark hair. How much did she weigh? About 125 pounds, maybe. So she wasn't really a spinner, was she? No, she wasn't a spinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Curb, you take care. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Yeah. Norm, was that necessary? <laughs> well, who's listening? You'd, I like to see any woman that's calling call us right now. I bet you there's <laughs> and we'll give you one. we'll give you a hundred t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you a hundred. We'll give you a hundred bucks or a hundred t-shirts. Yeah, right. All right, Norm, we're going to try this again. Okay. <laughs> this is really it. This is the end of our show for our technical call-in show. Unless we get one more call. Our end of our technical uh, call-in show for TopCast tonight, today, this afternoon. And uh, saying goodbye from here from Shaggy and... And Norm. And we hope to hear you again on the next episode of TopCast. Good day.